0: continue through our core values sermon series and this is actually sermon number seven we started with uh rolling out our mission that we exist to love god and to build the church and to reach the world and then we've been preaching through these different core values beginning on january 29 and last week we talked about hope and how we believe that there is hope for anyone there is hope for everyone in jesus christ and if you were here you know that i told you it was the first of a two-part sermon now many of you weren't here last week and that's okay i'm going to catch you up on where we were at but core value number six is this core value of invitation that we don't just believe that there's hope for everyone in jesus we invite others to enter into a relationship with jesus christ So we don't just say, hey, there's hope out there. Find it if you can. We say, come with us. Come join us. Come accept the the, the greatest offer that is out there, the greatest deal that is out there, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I asked you, if you were here last week, to pray for three people this week. And, And if the Lord led, if the Holy Spirit prompted to even begin to engage three different people in your world. And the first person that I asked you to start praying for and potentially engage was someone who did not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're just, they're not a Christian. They're not a bad person. They're probably a really good person, but they've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't grow up in the church. Maybe they grew up around Christians and that turned them off. Whatever it may be, they've never made that decision. I ask you to start praying for him, to start praying for her, and to look for opportunities to begin to engage. The second person that I ask you to, Pray for and potentially engage with someone who had seemingly walked away from the church, seemingly walked away from the faith. And someone came up to me and they said, You know, that sounded very judgmental of you. How do you know the heart? How, how do you know the person? And I don't know the person. And, and it may very well be that there are people that are no longer here or people that seemingly are no longer part of the faith and they have a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Pray for them anyway, lift them up in prayer anyway. But let's be really honest this morning. Let's be really transparent this morning. We all know people, some we're very close to, who for whatever reason, they used to be really active in the church, they used to have a thriving relationship with Jesus today, and they just don't right now. In 2017, it's not happening. And you know what we do with people like that far too many times? Absolutely nothing. And then they really think, well, I haven't heard from anybody. No, no one even misses me. No one's even ever reached out to me. And so we probably all know someone that, that fits that bill. Pray for them. Begin to engage them. And then third, and this may sound judgmental to some as well, I asked you to pray for and, and begin to engage someone who has seemingly lost their passion for Jesus. They're just kind of going through the motions. We talked a little bit, not long, but about that church in the, in the first century world that Jesus had a lot of condemnation for, the church at Laodicea in, in a Revelation chapter 3. See, they had it all. They were on top of the world in terms of their finances, in terms of their, their prominence in the first century world. People looked at Laodicea and they said, now that's quite a place, but... Jesus said, you know what, you're just going through the motions. You're just lukewarm. And then he uses a word that the NIV softens, that it really shouldn't soften. NIV says that that Jesus says to that church, I want to spit you out of my mouth. What he's really saying is, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. I want to puke you out of my mouth. I won't use any more words this morning for that. You're getting the picture. But see, the problem with someone that's lukewarm and and just kind of going through the motions, they they think everything's okay. They think everything is great. And so for every sermon, I've kind of given you a paradigm. We look at the Word, and then we look at the world, and then what's our witness going to be. And I want to turn that around today. I want to start with world. And I want to start with this idea of obstacles and objections. I think this is one of the more difficult sermons to hear and put into practice. You hear a sermon about the grace of God, two thumbs up. You hear a sermon, you're going to hear one in two weeks, Cody's going to preach when I'm in India, about serving in the name of Jesus, and a lot of people want to roll up their sleeves and start serving. But inviting others? I don't know about that. That's kind of outside my comfort zone. So I want to start with, what what are objections and obstacles from Christ followers? And then what are objections and obstacles from those who don't have a relationship with Jesus? And here's some of the objections, and I'm going to go through this pretty quickly, but some people will say, I can't really share my faith. I can't really invite others to follow Jesus because I'm not perfect. I don't have my life all figured out. I fall short of the glory of God, and if you fall short of the glory of God, you are right there with every other person on this earth today. We've all missed the mark, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I am not perfect, and and the leaders of this church will be the very first ones to raise their hand and say, I'm not perfect. That's not a reason to not invite someone second i don't have all the answers what if somebody asked me a question and i can't answer that question i don't have all the answers i didn't go to bible college i didn't go to seminary I, I don't go to hide and seek bible memory class i can't rattle off stuff here's what your answer is when somebody asks you a question that you can't answer here's what you say i don't know i don't know the answer i i say that all the time because i don't know the answer to questions Now, you don't say, I don't know, and I don't care. But you say, I don't know, but I'll try to find out. I don't know, but I will get you. And and honestly, sometimes there really are no good answers. People will say, why does suffering happen to God's people? I don't know. I don't get it. If I was God, it wouldn't happen. If I was God, I'd have my like, little lightning bolt in my finger here, and I'd start zapping all the mean people, and all God's people would, would just rain. And there'd be no cancer, and there'd be no divorce, and there'd be no disagreements. It'd be awesome, but you know, I'm not God. It's part of life, living life in a sinful and fallen world. Number three, third objection. It's going to create tension or problems relationally people are gonna start looking at me differently. They're gonna start asking questions like, is she a Jesus freak? Is he someone that's just really into that whole weird religion thing? And, and I'm not gonna lie, it may create tension. It may create problems. One of my very best friends growing up, I went to Bible college with him for a while. Um, today, has made the decision that he's no longer a follower of Jesus and um, I I have tried to engage him, I have continually prayed for him and he's made it really clear to me you know what, I'm not going to be your friend I'm not going to be in a relationship with you if we're talking about the faith, I've got nothing to do with that that's just where he's at right now I'm not happy about that I'm not excited about that It could create tension. It could create problems. Here's number four. I'm just worried about me. Who am I to look at somebody else? Who am I to deal with somebody else? Let me use this illustration for you. Let's say you're walking down the street. Maybe you're um, walking your dog or walk, I guess we don't walk cats, but you're, you're out for a walk and you're just having a good time and you look over and you see that your neighbor's house is on fire. And the smoke is coming out of the the, the chimney, not the chimney, the ceiling, uh, the roof. I'm, I'm struggling today. Y- you see the fire. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Now you could say I've got 15 different things that I need to do today, and if I grab my cell phone and I'll I dial 911, it's going to really create problems for me today. There's not a person in here that wouldn't grab your phone and dial 911 because they're in trouble. And even though it's going to mean that I've got to get involved, I I might save a life. I might save their house or part of their house. A house can be replaced? A soul for all of eternity? I mean, when we think about it, that's really not an acceptable answer to say, I'm just worried about me. Many people do it. And then here's number five, and this is most troubling for me, and I see it all the time. Um, I'm a closet universalist. I'm not sure I really believe what's in the book. I'm not sure I really believe the truth of God's word. And um, we've developed this idea that everybody's gonna, if you're a good person, that's good enough. If you do good things, that's good enough. Those are objections that, that I have heard or or I've seen play out. What about objections from people who are not in a relationship with Jesus? And and I've seen all, all four of these play out, quite frankly. First objection is this, it's none of your business. They've bought the lie, it's out there today, it's cultural, that you can believe anything you want to, but you don't have any right to tell anybody else what they should believe. Man, I'm glad the Apostle Paul didn't operate with that philosophy. I'm glad that the people that went on the missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts didn't operate with that philosophy. I'm glad that they literally went all over the world preaching Jesus. I'm glad that Dr. T. Lun Kim didn't have that philosophy in India. I'm glad that Barb Donahue didn't have that philosophy in Kenya. I'm glad that Pete Coco Uh, on the campus of Illinois State University didn't have that philosophy when it pertains to life at ISU. It's none of your business. Number two, my life is just fine. And I think this is a legitimate objection. I think one of the real curses that that our culture has today is that a lot of people have a great life. They've got kind of the dream, the house, the car, the kids, the dog, the 401k and you're telling me I need something else, my life is just fine. Another objection, who do you think you are? How dare you tell me I need something else? And then the fourth objection is is the toughest one for me to answer, quite frankly. And I hear it all the time. And um, I had it a lot harsher than this, and Our staff encouraged me to tone it down a little bit, so I I toned it down a little bit. Christians can be judgmental hypocrites. Guilty as charged, by the way. That's why it's so important that we live the life. That's why it's so important that the, the love and the joy of Jesus that we talked about last week isn't just an 8.15 Sunday morning kind of thing. It defines who we are, wherever we go, whatever conversations we have. Okay, part two, the word. I want to spend some time giving you some, some ways that you can begin to live this out. More than likely, you're not gonna, you know, wrap this message up today and head for a Hardy's or or head for the shack or wherever you go and and start handing out Bibles and, um, you know, putting your hand on people's head and praying over them. That's probably not where you're at right now. So I want to give you some practical ways that you can get closer to having confidence to really speak this this invitation. And number one is this: always be prepared. Always be prepared. Peter wrote to Christians um, right before he died a martyr's death. And here's what he said. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this, though, with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So be prepared anticipate questions that may come your way be ready to share your testimony and maybe you're saying I don't have a testimony everybody has a testimony it may not be super flashy you know I was on drugs and I was living in the street and then a street preacher came and prayed. I mean most of us don't have testimonies like that my testimony is I grew up in the church I didn't have a choice I resented the fact that I didn't have a choice, but about 15, 16, that light bulb, spiritually speaking, was illuminated, and God grabbed a hold of me, and he hasn't let go, and I mess up all the time, but I'm saved because of Jesus, and now I spend my life trying to talk to people about Jesus. That's not flashy, but that's my story. You have a story, always be prepared. Number two, give up your rights. Give up your rights. I offer this with grace to those of us who have been in the church for five decades or more. I want to offer this with grace. I want you to hear my heart here. Um, some of us need to give up our rights. We need to stop talking about I want, boom, 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 boom. And we need to start thinking, what's best for the kingdom? What's best for our community? Let me read a passage of scripture that you've probably never heard in a sermon before, even though it's been there for quite some time. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what Paul says. He says, though I'm free and I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel so I may share in its blessings. What if as a church we stopped thinking about what we want, what my rights are, what I desire, and we started thinking in terms of What's best for people that don't know Jesus? What's best for the kingdom? What's best for the gospel? We all have things that we enjoy. We all have things that we like. Paul says, I've given up all my rights. Why did he give them up? To win as many people as possible. Give up your rights. Number three. Live the life every day. Live the life daily. And I know I'm hammering this, and I'm going to keep hammering it because I think as a church, we need to hear it. As a church, we need to be there. Another kind of obscure passage of Scripture that's probably not made its way into a sermon or a lesson anytime soon, kind of grabbed a hold of me this week. First Thessalonians chapter 4 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Catch this. To mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. What's Paul saying to the Christians in Thessalonica? He's saying live the life. He's saying mind your own business. Don't be a part of conflict. Don't be a busybody. Don't be a gossip. Don't be mean. Live for Jesus every day. And if you do that, he says, people are going to look at you in your daily life and they're going to say, she's different. They're going to say, he's different. They're going to say, I want to be more like that. They're going to say, I really respect that. And then finally, number four, best thing I'm going to say today, let God do the heavy lifting. Let God do the heavy lifting. In 1 Corinthians 3, Apostle Paul says that he planted the seed, I planted the seed, my friend Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes all things grow. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but it was really God who made it grow. I want to go back real quickly. Just, we're not going to put it up on the screen, but I want you just to, to think for a moment about those three different individuals that I asked you to pray over, the person that doesn't know Jesus and the person that's walked away and the person just kind of going through the motions, um, especially the person that, that is not in a relationship with Jesus, as well as probably the person that's walked away. Um, you're probably not going to win them with a bible verse okay you're probably not and i know that because i've tried that and rarely does that work i'm amazed by the way how much of the bible non-christians actually know about i think we used to think man we'll just throw five or six bible verses at them and you know maybe smack them upside the head with the bible and then, you know they're going to be in the baptismal the next sunday I, that's probably not the case more than likely that's probably not where it's going more than likely but I do think that when we plant seeds and when we water seeds, it really pays dividends over time. We have a member of our family that grew up in the church and really kind of rejected the church, quite honestly, turned off by, by um, Christians that, that he felt like didn't really live what they were claiming to live and just want to know part of it. And, um, got out on his own and got married and it was not a good marriage and it ended in divorce and then there was kind of more judgment coming from some christians he felt like it was just really down on the church but but through it all family just kept planting seeds and just watering seeds and um one day he just announced you know what? i want to get baptized and steve ingram who was here on friday baptized him and um I was talking with Marla and some of the family. Like, you know, what happened? I didn't even say anything that week. We didn't even have any conversation that month. And I said, I know exactly what happened. God made it grow. God moved that heart. Seeds had been planted. Seeds had been watered. But God made it grow. And so it'd be really cool if next Sunday we took this sermon and we went out and like we have like 15 baptisms at 8:15 service next time. That'd be really cool, you know. I might even write into the Christian Standard or something like that if that happened. But more than likely, 15 baptisms won't happen next Sunday, but 100 baptisms could happen over the next year if we get serious about planting seeds and watering seeds being christ's ambassador and let god do the heavy lifting allow god to let it grow okay part three our witness how do we live out this core value of invitation in 2017 well you did a survey two weeks ago How many of you were excited about that survey? It was was okay. Somebody raise their hand, please, for me. Somebody please raise their hand. Okay. Well, over 400 people took the survey, which um, I think our number is like in the 410, 415 range. Is that right? Somewhere around there. So we're, we're really excited about that. Um, We did a survey nine years ago, and we had 410 take that survey nine years ago. So about the same number of people took the survey two weeks ago as took it nine years ago. But one of the questions talked about how often do you invite others to church or invite others to consider a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's put that um, slide up on the screen. And um, I was kind of underwhelmed, quite honestly, with the results 11% said they never do it. It ain't ever happening. 38% said they do it rarely. So how do we define rarely? Like maybe once a year. Um, 42% said they do it occasionally, maybe a couple times a year. Is how I would interpret that. And 7% said that they do it often. And so um, I've got one way to interpret that for you, and here's my interpretation. That's unacceptable. That's not good enough. That area of often, that purple, that needs to be a whole lot bigger. And, uh, and that means we're going to have to change kind of how we approach things. Um, and just to clarify, it's not even been in the sermon because I think it goes without speaking. Um, it's not just the minister's job to invite people to a relationship with Jesus. It's not just the leader's job to invite others to a relationship with jesus so i want to give you some practical ways to engage these three folks that we were talking about um, how do i engage someone who doesn't know jesus as lord and savior and i've got some suggestions number one never understate the importance of a relationship with jesus never understate the importance of a relationship with jesus um, Let's say you wanted to invite someone to join a club that you're a part of. Or you wanted to invite someone to, to uh, get season tickets to a sporting event that you have season tickets to. And they look at you and they're like, we know that'd be great, but the kids are getting ready to go to college and um, real estate taxes are gonna come due and I just, I just don't think I could afford it. And you'd probably look at them and unless you just have really bad people skills, you'd probably be like, well, I understand that. That makes sense. If you have bad people skills, you might really start hammering them hard, but you just, you kind of back off. Because when people say, I can't do it, most of the time we just kind of back off. When it comes to sharing your faith with someone that doesn't know Jesus, never short sell what that's all about. I tell people all the time, I became a Christian at the age of seven, it's the most important decision I ever made, bar none. More important than my marriage, more important than my children, although I love my wife and I love my children. The most important decision I ever made. Usually, when you talk about the most important thing you ever did, people listen. Two, look for plant chances to plant into water. Going back to that 1 Corinthians 3. Look for opportunities to plant into water. And three, never give up. I know some of you have been praying for children for decades. And maybe I'm going to throw in the towel. Don't ever throw in the towel. Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop planting and watering. What about someone who has seemingly walked away from the church? Um, They were here, now they're not. They were in a relationship with Jesus, it seems like, now that they're not. Um, This is a little more tricky. Number one, you have to be willing to listen, and I think you have to ask permission for the opportunity to learn. And you're probably not going to like what you hear, more than likely. Do not get defensive. I'm terrible at this, by the way. I have to work at this all the time. When someone wants to criticize the church or someone wants to criticize the faith, I I, want to get defensive. I want to put up my, my fist, spiritually speaking, and go to battle. Can't do that. You have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to learn. And you have to be willing to go the extra mile in love. Not out of duty, not because you have to, but out of love. And then what about someone that seemingly lost their passion? They're just kind of going through the motions. They're doing the lukewarm Laodicea kind of thing. Two encouragements here. I think with love and grace, you have to communicate how unhealthy it is to simply go through the motions. Unhealthy for them, unhealthy for those around them. And then second, you have to invest. You have to be willing to help them get beyond the lukewarm. Let me help you get beyond just going through the motions. It's one thing to say, you know, you don't seem to have the fire anymore. It's something else to say, let's do this together. Come to my Bible school class with me. Come sit in church next to me. Come go to the Tuesday morning ladies' study, or you know, area men's fellowship, or hide and seek, or whatever it may be. Come go with me. Help them get beyond the lukewarm. Bottom line, it's really pretty simple. Everyone needs a relationship with Jesus. Everyone needs a relationship with Jesus. So don't ever give up. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop planting or watering seeds. Let God do the heavy lifting. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you for the chance to be here. Thank you for the chance to be in your word. And God, help us to live this core value in our lives. Help us to be people who, we not only invite people to a relationship with Jesus, our lives are a ringing endorsement of of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. God, help us to make a difference. Um, I, I pray specifically this morning for our community. God, today more people in our community will not go to church than will go by a pretty significant margin. And so God, we've got work to do right here in our own backyard. And so help us, guide us, lead us, do the heavy lifting in your name we pray. Amen. It is uh, invitation time as it is every Sunday at FCC. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, we invite you to come forward during this time. And if you'd like someone to pray with you for anything, I mean, if you have someone that is really on your heart and you'd like a staff person to pray with you, that's awesome. But if you're just going through a tough season of life and you want prayer, um, I'm up front and I'll be up front following our service as we stand. Mark leads us in our song of commitment.